Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about a crazy one. We're back into genre territory, some weird shit. <laughs> this is a movie called Bloody Hell, and it is a fun one, and I had a great time talking about it with Jason from the Binge Movies podcast. I've been over on Binge Movies before. I'm actually uh, going to be joining him again coming up real soon. Uh, always a fun time talking to Jason, and I'm glad to finally have him here on Piecing It Together. Uh, Bloody Hell is a wild movie. If you have not seen it, which doesn't seem like a lot of people have, you should seek this movie out and check it out because uh, I definitely recommend it, and we will, of course, get into spoilers during this conversation. So hit pause, go watch the movie, and... Uh, uh, yeah, then come back and listen to us. But I do want to remind you all, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. We really appreciate all the feedback we get from everybody. Uh, you could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And we also have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post advanced episodes of Piecing It Together, bonus content from Awesome Movie Year, bonus content from my music career, and all kinds of other stuff. We're planning a lot more things for the coming year in that Patreon, so check it out. It's patreon.com slash Rosen. It's the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, combining content from everything that I'm involved with. So check that out. And one last thing before we jump into this episode. Uh, this is the first full episode of year four of Piecing It Together. You know, we, we just had our March trailer special episode to kick that off, but now it is officially year four. And thank you so much to everyone who's been with us since the beginning. Thank you to anyone who's just tuning in, maybe for the first time, or you just started listening recently. Uh, I am so happy to have you here, and I look forward to seeing what year four brings for this podcast. But again, thank you so much for listening, and now let's talk about Bloody Hell. All right, so here to help me talk about a crazy-ass movie called Bloody Hell, it's Jason from the Binge Movies Podcast. Jason, how's it going, man? 
It's going great. How how are you? I'm I'm good. I, stum- I stumbled on the first out, man. The door opened. You let me in. I stumble over myself. We're going into this thing. This is going to be, you know, people are going to hear every last word. It's going to be, it, it, this is raw. We put this thing out raw every time, especially when you're on. That's good. That's good. That's what I'm looking forward to. I don't want it to be cleaned up at all. Yeah. Uh, I want all of my errors left in. Grimy. I really remembered as I was. This is the underground yeah. hip hop of podcasting is what we're doing <laughs> right here. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, right. Jason, why do, why do you tell people a little bit about you and your awesome podcast? Uh, yeah, I am Jason. I'm the host of Binge Movies. Uh, we do just that. Uh, you've been on, so you can testify to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we binge the full spectrum and horizon of film genre and quality. And we don't discriminate really against anything, but then we discriminate against everything. Sure. Because not only do we watch the movies, we rank them, and uh, and then we just eliminate all of your favorite m- movies from cinema history, trying to get it down to the film we think is most worthy for preservation. We do it in seasons. We do about four seasons a year. So that's about 30 films per season. So that's quite a bit of movies throughout the year. And on top of that, we've got other stuff we do, commentary tracks, old school deep dive, scene by scene, feature presentation reviews, and uh, instant reactions to newer films when that was such a thing. Yeah. People live lives and went to theaters sure. and movies were released. <laughs> and uh, just a bunch of other stuff too. We do interviews, we do a little bit of everything, so... Yeah, I'd say between my first appearance on your show and the upcoming one that I'm, I'm going to be on, I've watched a lot of movies that I probably wouldn't have otherwise watched uh, while prepping for your show. So it, it's it's a good thing because people should watch more movies. But yeah, th- this one that we're about to talk about, also I found out about through you. I hadn't, it wasn't on my radar. So I, I have been asking my guests lately about this. Is this a movie that when it came out that you were like looking forward to or was it just something that you just kind of stumbled upon? I had never heard of this in my life. Yeah. <laughs> One of the benefits of watching everything from classic cinema, you know, old Hollywood to international films is that uh, I believe this is an expletive friendly podcast. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Is that my Amazon and all associated algorithms for, for movie viewing is fucked. Sure. <laughs> so, I would, I would so imagine. It's, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like... Uh, you might like this Don Knotts kid movie, or you very well may like this weird Australian action. We'll get into it. Or you very well may like, uh, you know, have you seen Gone with the Wind recently? Or, you know, what do you, have you seen Leonard part six this week? You know? Were there that many parts? Probably. <laughs> yeah, I so can I just right, imagine, yeah, man. The, <laughs> yeah, the algorithm recommends everything to me, and it was just in there somewhere, and one of my viewing experiences and i was like what is this and so i watched the trailer and i added it to my watch list i heard nobody talking about it it came out i had to do some a bit of uh pandemic traveling which was a terrifying experience in and of itself mm, the yeah. first time i had left uh sunny tropical akron ohio in over a year at this point sure or you know close to and uh so I'm all masked up. I'm, I've doused myself in an industrial vat of uh, Purell. <laughs> I'm just dripping wet from 
from hand sanitizer and trying to make sure the old lady next to me doesn't breathe anywhere in my vicinity. <laughs> I had a prodding stick. I, every time she got closer to me, I would just jab her with smart, it. Smart. Just to keep, it keeps the germs away. <laughs> and uh, I had it downloaded on my uh, HD Fire, whatever, which I haven't touched in two years at this point. And I watched it on a plane. And all I can say is if a movie can get you through, first of all, an economy plane ride on frontier <laughs> for almost three hours during a global pandemic when you're terrified when you've been having nightmares about being in an airplane then that's a hell of a movie and here we are if the director alistair grierson happens to hear this podcast i think he's gonna love this setup um because that's <laughs> know, that's right? quite quite the way to introduce the movie for sure it's a reverse puzzle piece yeah yeah it, it kind of is for sure well, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces, and we'll talk more about what exactly this this crazy bloody hell movie is as we're getting through the puzzle pieces, but what do you got for your first piece? I got to start with the, the most obvious piece imaginable, which I'm I'm betting money if anybody out there is listening to this and, and have seen it, they thought of this, and it's uh, Evil Dead 2. Okay. But more than Evil Dead 2, it's Ash, Ashley Williams from Evil Dead. It's, sure. It's, I, he doesn't have the sophistication, I guess the, that's what you'd call it, the raw animal charisma of a Bruce Campbell, the uh, uh, Ben O'Toole, but um, the lead in this movie, there is a bit of an ash, especially as we dive into some of the doppelganger stuff of, of the, you know, the manifestation of his psyche. Sure. Is very much like a, a, a demon-possessed ash or a ash, you know, doing battle with himself. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. and. You know what? I, I'm going to jump right in because I was considering including Ash on my puzzle piece list as well, uh, but didn't because I have two other characters that I was going to use that I think just go right along with Ash. And uh, that is Roddy Piper's George Nata from They Live and Kurt Russell's Jack Burton from Big Trouble in Little China, which Ooh. both of these characters, I think, along with Ash, really kind of paint the picture of what this this main character, like you said, played by Ben O'Toole. His name's Rex, which, by the way, if you're writing a movie and you name your 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 protagonist Rex, I mean, that's, come on, that that's a good script right there. But, uh, yeah, this character is just such a, uh, just such a big, dumb, smartass, but also kind of always tends to win kind of character, the same way Ash is, the same way these other guys are. And, and, and yeah, it, it makes for such a fun guy to watch get into such a crazy situation and then get himself out of that crazy situation. I think you hit the nail on the head, which is he's the type of protagonist who is on his ass the entire duration of the movie <laughs> right, and right. keeps getting knocked down and... and and is behind, right? He's always coming from underneath. He's always fighting from behind uh, in a charming, funny, self-destructive, uh, uh, barely going to make it through, devil may care kind of a way. And yet he is somehow <laughs> proficient at, all, at enough things in this highly unlikely improbable scenario yeah. that we find ourselves <laughs> in this movie to, to see himself through with nothing more than some... Uh, 
some luggage and a golf club, uh, among some other things. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And and also not stunned at all by the situations he gets himself in, into. You know, no. a- Ash is dealing with uh, you know deadites and all that shit, and you know all the crazy shit and big trouble in Little China. And and same thing here. This guy just doesn't bat an eye at the fact that he's dealing with the family of crazy cannibals. Which, by the way, uh, yeah, that's where. That's where this movie ends up for people who haven't seen it yet. Although you should watch it before you listen to this conversation because we'll get into lots of spoilers. Yeah. But I will say uh, thank you for bringing Evil Dead to the conversation because I have been criticized for bringing up Evil Dead way too much. So I'm glad you did it. So, <laughs> Well, you're welcome. It was the obvious puzzle piece. I also, in, with Ben O'Toole, I saw a little bit of, in a previous generation I could, or a previous era, I could have seen this being Ryan Reynolds. Sure. And I also could have seen it uh, be uh, Robert Downey Jr. Actually, I was getting so there was a couple of hints when he, once he was in the basement, and he was sort of kind of Sherlocking his way through, or at least his projection of himself was oh, yeah, yeah. talking shit and thinking through how to get through. I was getting very witness. <laughs> no one else will probably compare this to like a MCU movie, uh-huh. but I was definitely getting Robert Downey Jr via Tony Stark. And I thought to myself, if you're ever going to do a, a, they're going to really just go full sellout, which we know they will at some point. Sure, yeah, yeah. If the MCU is like, well, Tony Stark's back, but it's the multiverse Tony Stark. <laughs> this is the one from another dimension. I think it needs to be Ben O'Toole because he's channeling some like long uh, uh, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, rather energy here a little bit in a few scenes. Sure, sure. So so are you using Iron Man then as a puzzle piece here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, unofficially, I think the obvious, yeah, I think the obvious is Ash from Evil Dead uh-huh. 2 in particular. I think the less obvious is, yeah, I think that Ben O'Toole is the Tony Stark that we actually never knew we actually wanted and needed. I love it. I love it. Well, we got some <laughs> Iron Man on this list, and uh, yeah, these are great characters, by the way. Like, And I think that speaks to what makes this movie work so well, is that we've got such a great central character, and that's the thing with these movies that we've had on the list so far, is great central characters. I will go to another puzzle piece then, and we, we already kind of like uh, mentioned a little bit about the 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 subconscious is is characterized into this other version of Rex, um, who he interacts with and talks about or talks to. And so I thought of, of course, Fight Club. Uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Fight Club, but with the Tyler Durden character, you know. Edward Norton and Brad Pitt, they kind of have this rapport with each other. And by the end of the movie, we come to realize that, you know, this is a projection of the Edward Norton character. And that is, that is helping him get through uh, this situation that he's kind of placed himself into. And so I, I think there may be a better version of that out there. But the first one that came to mind for me was Fight Club. I think you have to, right? Like, I, I think that that is especially for a certain generation of filmgoer, that's such an iconic, that's an overused term, but it's such an iconic movie. And it's really one of the first movies that kind of took a, a, a conceit of a novel, and obviously Fight Club is based on a novel, but it took a conceit of a novel and put it into a film in an interesting way, sure. which we hadn't really seen before. So unfortunately, when you do that, you kind of become the template by which, if anything even has an echo of that, it's like, oh, it's kind of got a Fight Club kind of a feel to it, a Tyler Durden feel to it. And um, so I'm, 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 I'm with you. I, I, I I'm going to go off a little bit 
off the beaten path, okay? Let's, let's and I do don't it. know if you've seen this movie, and I'm going to pull in not Dennis Quaid, Randy Quaid. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I'm pulling in the film, 1989 film Parents. Have you seen this movie? I don't think so. It is supposedly, ostensibly marketed as a dark comedy. It is a highly disturbing and not funny movie whatsoever about a boy who is in counseling. He's going to his teachers because he believes that his parents are actually cannibals. And it's presented in a very picturesque 1950s, you know, white hat, white picket fence sort of world. Randy Quaid looks like the stereotypical 1950s dad, the, 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 the pencil thin tie, the glasses, the white shirt, you know, uh, uh, the short sleeve, uh, <laughs> white dress shirt. Uh, the mom is wearing pearls as she vacuums the carpet and people are going missing in the neighborhood and they have unusually large portions of meat that are being served every night at the dinner table. And so underneath the, the veneer and the sheen of, you know, 1950s, a post-atomic America, baby boomer, happiness, white suburban utopia, uh, they might be, and they probably are, horrific, horrible cannibals sure. <laughs> who are eating people. <laughs> and it's very surrealistic, and it's very strange, and there's an underlying cruelty in the family that's a little bit more overt in this movie, but when you, we think about how the, this family is like presented for the first time, we have... Uh, our boy downstairs in the basement having a Tyler Durden experience with himself. Sure. And then we have upstairs, we have this Finnish, I believe. Finnish, yeah. Very picturesque, uh, Euro you know, European family in this very lovely home and this very beautiful countryside, you know, house, cottage. It's slightly bigger than a cottage. And, uh, and they're, yeah, they're dismembering tourists and, and, uh, and dining on them, at least to, to, to taste the meat before they serve it to a whole other thing which we haven't even gotten into. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is right. That is right. By the way, so I, I'm looking up that movie. I like it. I like it. I've never heard of it. And I just looked it up. Directed by Bob Balaban. I didn't know that he directed yes. any movies. Wow. <laughs> You'll understand why this was. This was, might have been his uh, only few forays <laughs> feature film. Jeez. <laughs> Because wow. it's like I told you, it's supposed to be like, oh, it's a dark comedy. It's actually just very surreal and disturbing. And, and it's like they forgot to put the comedy in. And so it's just very, very uncomfortable for a very long period of time. And knowing what we know now about Sir Randy Quaid, yeah. it's sort of a precursor to modern times. Oh, boy. Yeah, no, that, that I, I, sounds interesting. That's for sure. When you, when you start talking about people who are thinking and talking to themselves <laughs> and were at projections of themselves yeah. and conspiracies operating against them, my mind went to Randy Quaid. Then you throw in the cannibal thing. It's like, yeah. bam, there's a puzzle piece. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> well, I, I'll go to another puzzle piece. Uh, and speaking of the, the picturesque, you know, scenery of Finland and this, you know, beautiful little home and they just seem like such a sweet family until you start finding out all the uh, the darkness and awful things that are happening there. Uh, I thought of Ari Aster's Midsummer, uh, a movie that has you know absolutely captured uh, you know the, the the zeitgeist of the last few years as far as horror is concerned. And uh, you know again, it, it's it's in this this 
area that you would not expect and i believe it's sweden if i'm not mistaken uh and it just it just seems like the most perfect beautiful little getaway in in the middle of the forest and turns out it is just absolutely horrific the shit going down in their little camp yes and so uh yeah i I just think it, it fits really well in that horror in a place you didn't expect it uh motif i was getting that's a really that's a really good connection i was getting like ari aster by way of wes anderson vibe so <laughs> <laughs> nice well i actually used so wes I, anderson as a puzzle piece on the midsummer episode so yeah do it did that. you yeah do with that as you will you know so. <laughs> okay so you've already made the connection a little bit I, <laughs> yeah i um I, I i the whole time i was thinking like this is seriously like first of all we haven't even touched on a whole other genre that's in this movie mm. where we've just we've just kind of focused on the horror so far and and maybe some of like the raw comedy but i was just getting like yeah ari aster but by way of wes anderson especially when he's imagining i think it's he's imagining or cut to smash cut to the family riding bicycles together uh-huh. through helsinki or through you know the 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 finnish countryside and i was just sort of like yeah, in another world, in a parallel universe, this there is a hyper twee version of this <laughs> that is made by Wes Anderson. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well, and, and that that humor is what makes this movie stand out. Definitely, I mean, it's yeah. definitely what makes it work. Because otherwise, it's just kind of another one of these, you know, direct to I don't know Shutter or something like that horror movies, cannibal horror movies. Right. But it's a really funny movie though, and that's what really makes it stand out. Yeah, it does. Speaking of genres, we haven't even touched on. We have not explored, and maybe you'll have a puzzle piece for this action. Because this is also yeah. not just is it a like Ari Aster almost uh, uh, hostile kind of vibe. Sure, I'm not really going to claim that as a puzzle piece, but it, 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 it's a feeling. You know, American goes to a foreign country and gets dismembered by people with weird accents, kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's a whole subgenre, right? Uh, like tourism horror. Yes. And so that's, that's where we're at here. That That's the plot of this. But before we get there and then during all of that, and then towards the end of all of that, it's just really kind of a kick-ass action movie. Yeah. And this is my official puzzle piece. This is not a good movie, but it is a Las Vegas movie. Ooh. And the editing for this movie reminded me of some of the cuts, some of the gags, some of the humor, some of the uh, uh, the effects, uh, if you want to call them gimmicks, uh, of some of the, some of the things they throw in there to put a little sizzle, put a little put a little style in this movie. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Smoking Aces. Okay. Do you remember Smoking Aces from like two thousand three ish, two thousand four or somewhere, Absolutely. five somewhere in that genre? I. Not a good movie yeah. <laughs> to me. Uh, not, I just didn't care for it. But when you think about that, that wannabe Tony Scott style of editing mm. and then injecting, you know, like I'm thinking like a Domino and that, you know, the other sort of like oversaturated cut to alternative perspectives, you know, all yep, this other yep. sort of stuff. Smash, smash gags in a bloody action movie. That this movie has all of that as well, only they're done uh, to to good effect, I think, and they're not overdone. Yeah, but that's happening in the midst of a funny 
cannibal movie. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of Smoking Aces as a puzzle piece here, but that makes total sense because that, like, that version of, uh, of action filmmaker, I think, came from the school of, I want to be Tarantino so bad. Yeah, you know, and and then, but then it's just a basic action movie, you know, and and so, <laughs> right, and, and, right. and so, yeah. So the, I think that that's exactly where something like Smoking Aces comes from, and I think that the action sequences in this do, you know, get that kind of a feel. That the action sequence in the bank is, you know, is totally that that era of action, and I, I would say almost done better than some of those for sure. Yeah, I, honestly, I had to check the when was this movie made. Mm-hmm. because it's, you know, it's coming out now, but the way that the bank scene is lit, the way that it's um, desaturated, mm-hmm. it's a heavily desaturated and has a, has a haze over it. I was definitely getting that early 2000s. Once again, I'm just thinking like Tony Scott yeah. uh, before he passed, like, like very hyper sort of, uh, but at the same time, you know, the, the editing is hyper, the, the stylization of it is hyper, but the characters are almost all that Tarantino lackadaisical. Yeah, yeah. There's that, there's that detachment from almost what's happening around them. And so there's this, there's that weird juxtaposition between sort of hyper stylized filmmaking and then detached, you know, laconic sort of two cool characters. But to your point, whereas like a Smoking Aces is like really kind of up its own butt of like, look how cool this is. Right, right. And it's just like poor man's Tarantino. Th- I don't get that vibe from this movie. Right. I don't get the vibe that they're like, ooh, let's add this effect in. Yeah. Like, I don't get that, right? Or like, ooh, let's put a cut here for no reason. Right. I don't get that. It fe- it feels more relaxed and more natural and more native than that. So Yeah, it- it's hard to say how how a movie lands on that. Like, like lands on actually feeling natural and cool but because it does seem to have the same elements but it just you're absolutely right it just feels more like uh you know let's make a fun movie not show off or you know just not try to be cool or anything like that uh but i'm gonna stick in the action vein for my next puzzle piece here and this is just a uh a a very simple connection here but you know you mentioned about the uh uh, the travel, uh, travel horror or travel action. And I thought of taken, uh, the, the Liam Neeson <laughs> franchise and the fact that the second he steps off the plane, he's abducted and he's fucked. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Poor Rex is basically yeah. the daughter in this situation. So yeah, he is both Liam. Ne- like his, his psychotic version of himself is the Liam Neeson. Yeah. But the real version of himself is the daughter. So Ben O'Toole is, is, that's a movie I want to see now. Yeah. Uh, just let's put a pause. In it. Let's go. I want to see. <laughs> That's, that would be, a I want to see. Movie. Yeah. Take it where the guy is the rescuer and the daughter at the same time. Like that is hilarious. You know what I mean? Like that would rule. <laughs> it'd be a great role reversal movie, which is kind of also a subgenre, right? Which is like the villains do something and they don't realize who they're messing with. Yeah. Yeah. And they, so they take this person and they don't realize that the person they've taken is Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. And it'd almost be funnier if it was Liam Neeson and they kidnapped the actor, Liam Neeson, yeah. not realizing that Taken was based on true events. Oh boy. 
this rules. I want this movie now. I didn't want this movie thirty minutes ago. I didn't know I wanted this movie. But yeah, it's, you you had the you had the seed of the idea. Uh, it, listen, man, your network of podcasts and your your whole family of uh, of associates out there. You can get a producer credit. Just give me that Harlan Ellison uh, acknowledgement to the works of <laughs> binge movies, Beautiful. and I'm I'm set. I'm set. <laughs> Well, what do you got for your next piece? Sticking with action, but also going with genre bending, because as we've talked about, this is a action movie. It is, would you, well, let me ask you, would you go so far as to say it's a comedy or would you say it has comedy beats? I would put this in the comedy category. Um, it, like, like we've been saying, it definitely mixes so many different genres, but I think it's a comedy first to me. Okay. So if we go comedy first, and then what? Probably horror next. Would you say? I would say horror second, even though there's so much action, you know, elements to it. I would definitely say comedy then horror. Comedy, horror, and then action. Yeah. That brings my next puzzle piece. One name who has played in that pool many a time. I'm talking about my favorite, or at least one of my favorite working directors, Edgar Wright. Oh yeah. And in particular, Hot Fuzz. Sure. Where Hot Fuzz starts off as a really just a, a comedy police movie and then with some horror elements sprinkled in and then goes full on like English thriller, psychological horror, cult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, movie, right? Like English, like like it goes like Wicker Man almost in a way. Yeah. Uh, in this like sleepy English town. So I get a lot of those vibes here too. It's wearing it's wearing all of its genres a little bit more in the sleeve, whereas I think Edgar Wright and his crew are are much better at sort of nesting dolling yeah, the yeah. genres, and so you don't realize you're in a different genre until you're there. Yeah, yeah, right. Like you don't realize Baby Driver is really a a, a kind of a rom com or at least a love story mm -hmm. until you're in it. Um, same thing, same same thing with with Hot Fuzz. Like I said, this this movie is like a little bit more, a little less nuanced, but uh, nowhere less interesting and and, and uh, entertaining. I, I don't I don't think. Sure, sure, and I think uh, Edgar Wright is a really interesting uh, filmmaker to bring up. Uh, you know, within the scope of like these puzzle pieces, because he really introduced this kind of this brand of comedy that is just so specifically British in what he yeah. does. And then in this movie, it's this Australian voice, which is a, a little bit different from anything that you really, you know, have seen elsewhere as far as like the sense of humor and the sense of what exactly is funny to the people making this movie. And that, that makes it a little bit different and a little bit uh, unique in its, you know, comedy stylings anyway. Did you know that this was an Australian production? You know, I mean, you knew almost nothing of it, but when you looked into it, because I watched it and I had no idea this was not an American production. I had Until the producers of the podcast hit me up on Twitter, and I was like, <laughs> nice. "Wait, who? oh, they made this movie? Oh, okay. Oh, because I honestly like okay. You, you've you've tweeted about this a lot, mm -hmm. I, and and you've talked about it a lot. The like economy of scale is so thrown off now." of movies that I don't know what was intended for a theatrical release and right. had a hundred million dollars behind it or what had 60 million and was only like came out two years ago in Australia. And like you said, was just a shutter release. If you told me this movie was picked up by whoever 
and uh, you know, um, yeah, Blumhouse or whoever, and they were going to put this out, or Neon picked this up, and hey, we're putting this out as like our kind of genre movie, like kind of um, you know, midnight movie, yeah, yeah, uh, grindhouse movie. We're putting this out under that kind of thing. I would have believed it. Right. Like, like, so I, I've lost all context for it's what so movies hard. are anymore. It's so freaking hard now, man. It's so true. And I mean, to, to the original question about whether I knew it was Australian, I did not. I did have the, the sense that this wasn't an American production, but I wasn't sure. Like, at first I thought maybe British, mm. but I wasn't really sure. Um, and then I saw afterwards that it was uh, from Australia. But uh, What tipped you off? I don't know. It just it just feels very um I don't know just different from from the, you know, typical American comedy. It just kind of had a different sense of humor, I felt like. Well, your listeners are listeners to this pod for good reason because you picked up on something I completely missed. I I, I you could have you could have told me that this movie was made in Burbank and I would have <laughs> I would have believed it. Right. I would have like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Um but I guess there's so I, I what I felt was different in the movie I just ascribed to the sensibilities of maybe a scrappy production mm. you know like that not a lot sense. of time not a lot of money I didn't get the sense of oh no these are you know f- this is a foreign film <laughs> I didn't get that sense at all no. and I, have had you have you ever seen Ben O'Toole in anything no. I've never seen him in anything in my life I didn't know his name. I don't know if he's Peter O'Toole's great grandson. <laughs> right. I don't know who. I don't know who he is. Is he a Ned O'Toole's nephew? I don't know who this guy is. No, no idea. But he's our next Tony Stark. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> I, I'm I'm down for that casting. I, I'm I'm with it. I am totally down. Well, uh, I will. I'll go to another puzzle piece here. This is uh, another kind of like taken. It's like kind of based on like one piece of the movie. But I thought of Saw the first saw the original saw you know of waking up chained up in a room and trying to figure out how you got there and how the hell you're going to get out um it's just a basic plot beat of this movie it's just what as we've been kind of discussing a lot here it's only really one piece of the movie uh but still it's it's kind of a major piece that leads to you know the final two-thirds of what happens and so uh I thought it was a good one to bring up for the that is a good one that's a very good one for people who don't know for younger listeners, potentially, the first saw kind of had this similar vibe to it, right? It kind of came out of nowhere. Th- yeah. That was that was different era when like stuff actually came out mm-hmm. in theaters, and even like pre-COVID, like th- a lot of stuff just wasn't making it to theaters because you know the major players are are seventeen of twenty theaters are all showing the next Disney production. Yeah. Um, so it's very hard to see smaller movies. Saw was ostensibly an independent film, right? It was like kind of hastily put together and not a lot of money. It was based, I think, on a short film. Mm-hmm. It comes out. It's a group of friends who worked on it. It that definitely felt kind of foreign to me. Even the look of it was very, very original and different at the time. Definitely. Yeah. That sort of blue, color coded, color corrected like very cold look to the film that they had. Um, this doesn't have those features, but there is a similar sort of vibe. And then, yeah, when our main character, in this case, our true protagonist wakes up and is just in this horrific scenario, I definitely got those vibes. I also got, based on the the same inciting incident, essentially, 
28 days later. Okay. Where a character wakes up and the whole world has changed. Now, the scale is completely different. Mm-hmm. And if he had waken, woken up and gone out and had it been Shaun of the Dead, I think it would have been closer. But I've always loved, I would love like to have a subgenre of character it goes unconscious or in a coma or has been pacified at some point and wakes up and everything's changed around them. Yeah. I don't, I don't, that's not like men on a mission, ragtag team. That's not like a subgenre everybody knows. Right. But I, I want someone, I want you, David, I want you to go on your letterbox and I want you to make a list for me of all of those movies that qualify for that because it's honestly, it's such a cool and kind of scary premise. If you're this guy and you've been through hell and you're getting out of prison, because it's also a prison movie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you're getting out of prison and you're like, I want to go as far away from my notoriety and this horrible tragedy I was a part of as I possibly can. And I'm going to go to the other side of the world and I'm going to Helsinki. uh, And I just, you know, hence the bloody hell of bloody hell. Um, I'm going to go and uh, you fall, you you get taken. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I can think of (laughs) now. And then you wake up in a room and it's either Saw. I could have also used the puzzle piece. And maybe this is more appropriate than my 28 Days Later of uh, kind of name checked earlier, but Eli Roth, uh, the first hostel, right? Sure, yeah. Like you, you wake up in a dark room and I don't know how far we're dipping into spoilers, but if you're this far, we've already ruined the movie for that's you. That's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he wakes up legless. And that's the other thing. I, I saw one brief trailer and they did a really good job of like, they have shots of him without the leg, mm. but they did a really good job of cutting around it in a way that there's so much craziness happening in the trailer. You don't realize he's going to be legless at any point. So I'm sitting there on a commercial flight next to an elderly woman (laughs) with a very large screen just in my lap as this man's hacked, severed limb with dripping viscera is just routinely shown again and again and again. And we've all known that pervert who's watching something he shouldn't be in public. Uh Uh-huh. And David, I became that pervert in over the airs of sunny tropical Akron, Ohio. I've I've judged that man previously. I've looked at that man and go, you know what? I know that movie. It's a fine movie. Don't watch that on a plane. I think I just found my I think I just found my audiogram clip for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know how to be civilized anymore. I've been in a video store. Since the pre-pandemic days, it's a zombie apocalypse out here. I've boarded up the windows. I'm just watching movies. Obviously, you can tell by the way I talk. It's just references and (laughs) and all kind of chaos. My brain is a blender. And now you take me out of society, and then you try to thrust me back into it to to behave like a civilized man. I'm going to watch Bloody Hell on a commercial flight. Hell yeah. And terrify the people next to me. I love the idea of the size of the screen, too, that it's just this big... Big ass screen in front of you instead of like a little iPad or something. You had like a 17 inch laptop. I love it. Oh, these screens are big now, dude. Yeah. You know they are. I love it. They're very big. They're very shiny. They're very obvious. And luckily, when you were when you're wearing the mask and you're covered up and you're you're already dripping with uh, hand sanitizer, mm-hmm. people already look at you sideways. But when you're watching a movie where a guy is having his own personal Midsomar hostile experience in, in, in Finland, 
and he's screaming. <laughs> and you could hear it through my Bluetooth headphones. This guy wakes up screaming. I thought, oh, God. And and that's not even the goriest, some of the goriest stuff is in this movie. Sure, yeah. Oh, good Lord. So either I, I will, I, I never officially said it. I, I am going to play the 28 Days Later card, mm-hmm. but I also got vibes of the first hostel with Eli Roth. I, I'll, I'll, I'll make that one a semi-official. Two halves make a whole piece. Yeah, we'll throw them both on the list. But uh, yeah, they both add up to that that same point there, which I think is great. Um, I only have one more piece, and I think... That this would be a movie that probably inspired both of those movies, and it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. You know, a horrific family, kidnapping people, cannibalism, a deformed child, uh, which you said we would talk about him at some point uh, in the conversation. But yeah, this family has this giant monster of a son who they're feeding all of these people to. Um I haven't seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies in a long, long time. I was actually planning on doing a uh, Breaking It Apart episode on them one of these days, and uh, so I'm going to rewatch those. But uh, I-, I think a lot of the same family beats are are here, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> There's no grandpa. Okay. There's no grandpa in this that, they, that is just a desiccated corpse yeah. <laughs> that they will out and put a, a mallet in his hand. But I think that's really... Honestly, there is... Not all the way through, but that first dinner scene with the family. Yeah, yeah. There really is a lot of dark comedy, even in the original Chainsaw. Right. They would lean heavy into it with the the second one. They would almost do a parody of the first. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that first one where they when they oh okay grandpa okay gramps and they put a mallet in his hand for him to try to whack the skull to eat the face and the brains and the whatnot of the the person and crack it open like a walnut. That is, or like a lobster. That's funny. Oh yeah, it, like it's sick, but it's 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 intentionally funny in a weirdly twisted way. And it's yeah, right. It's like somebody kind of clued into that vibe and then made a movie out of it, but then also made like a kick-ass action movie and all the things we talked about. That's so, right. That's a really good. That's a really good call. And in in a not not in a not so obvious way, right? Cannibalism. We think Texas Chainsaw, but you connected it there in a not obvious way, which is why you're the man, Dave. You're the man. Thanks, Jason. I, I appreciate that so much. Um, do you have any more puzzle pieces? I have one last one. All this right. is also the most obvious final one. It's Jack and the Beanstalk. Jack and the Beanstalk. Yes. This is... <laughs> You're looking at me like I'm insane. You're too nice to be like, that's a terrible thing. No, I always I always let my guests just roll with it. Like, I, I want to hear this. I want to hear the connection. <laughs> I know I've I've heard you and you, there's you have a little tick I forget what it is but I've listened to enough of your episodes now <laughs> where you go you go oh no you go interesting, interesting. and that's okay. like I don't agree with anything that you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a that's a really terrible take but if you want to go with it here's why uh, little boy <laughs> gets a bag of beans mm-hmm. and you know they're supposed to be magic beans. And he obviously grows a beanstalk, and he goes up into beanstalk land, mm-hmm. and he's going around, and he's he's trying to escape his life. And what should he find? But fee fi fo fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman. In this case, an American. Mm. I smell the blood of an American. Here we are, and he's he's chased this this creature 
it's hard to say that this is like a person with a legitimate illness or disease. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> they gave birth to a monster. Yeah. So for, with no explanation. And and the movie opens has a cold open of a, like a flashback and the ground literally shakes when he's coming and it's boom 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 like it's the T-Rex from Jurassic Park yeah, like yeah. he's that big. And he's not that big when we finally see him, but he's still pretty big. And he's fairly deformed and I think that they're either going for ogre vibes or definitely giant vibes. Sure. And I think Rex is a giant killer. And I think that's what this movie is really all about. It's about how he he knocks the beanstalk down and kills the giant and the whole town can celebrate. And I think that setting it in Finland in in some vaguely European place and where a lot of those the grim fairy tales sure. came from. Yeah, yeah. Then I think you're you're cluing into some of the inspiration for this because what we don't realize is because we read them and they're so uh, archaic in the way that we read them and they've been watered down over time is the grim fairy tales were horror stories that were really morality plays. They were meant to sort of teach children a lesson, but not just children, people and scare people. And there was like subversion. And if you've done any post lit work, like, you know, all of these tropes and, mm. and there, there were more, they were more gruesome, bloody, they were essentially horror movies before horror movies. Right, right. And they were legends and they were folklore. And this movie definitely leans into this folklore feeling to it as if it's like uh, some fable you're watching. Right, right. Except for the fact that it's like a Tony Scott action movie and it's like uh, <laughs> all the things that we said on top of that. Right. So I would definitely go Jack of the Beanstalk if, if, if I. If you think that's interesting and you don't agree with me, then let's just go Brothers Grimm, Grimm Fairy Tales. Uh, if that, if you, if that's I'm not in. blowing up your skirt, let's just say it's ancient, weird European folklore, right? I, I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. I, I like how you really did pull that together because, uh, yeah, you're right. This is kind of like a fairy tale, and that would be, you know, the main one because of the. Uh, you know, David and Goliath kind of thing going on, the monster and the, the little guy. And like, so, I mean, yeah, that, that Jack and the Beanstalk, I get it. And that works as a puzzle piece. Do we want to spoil the very, the, not the very, very ending, but the ending? I won't if you don't want me no, to. No, no, that's fine. Yeah. What, what do you got? Where we go full folklore is when he kills the giant mm -hmm. <laughs> with the part, his own leg. Yeah. It's Chekhov's leg. If you take off a leg <laughs> in one act, you got to bring the leg back in act three. He gets his leg out of the deep cooler, the, the refrigerator, where it's sitting on a platter, and it's been gnawed off, and the, the bone, the femur, has been sharpened because it's been gnawed on. Beautiful. He takes his severed foot, and he shoves it, down the throat, metaphorically speaking, mm -hmm. down the throat of the cannibal. And he doesn't do a Romero, choke on it, <laughs> choke on it. But I wish he would have. He yeah. says something, I think. Yeah. And uh, the, the bone ends up going through the back of his head. He shoves the foot so far into his throat. And when, he, when he's choking on it and he asphyxiates on <laughs> Rex's foot, he falls 
and it goes to the back of his head and a they do not cut away and a very gratuitous gore shot. Yes. It was I think mostly practically done and pretty well done. It was very really, very well done. And that to me was like that's folklore. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's both the Taylor Swift album and that is also the <laughs> that is also the the genre that we call folklore. I love it. So, let's go ahead and do the finished puzzle, then we'll get into some closing thoughts on this insane movie. But uh, we, of course, talked about Ash and the Evil Dead. We, specifically Evil Dead 2, of course. Uh, also, They Live, Big Trouble in Little China, Iron Man, and a bunch of other Robert Downey Jr. roles, uh, Fight Club, Parents, Midsummer, Smoking Aces, Taken, which I, I love that taken isn't this is so funny uh hot fuzz great puzzle piece saw 28 days later and hostile the texas chainsaw massacre and then we finished it up with jack and the beanstalk and i think we have a great list here i mean this movie just it's one of the things we've been kind of talking about is how this movie uh has so many different genres in it and so i mean yeah. i think that's why this is such a wide-ranging list um, as far as like closing thoughts, I wanted to throw one out there really quick. Um, just how funny it is that the reason he goes to Finland is because he spit a spitball at a map and it went the three times in a row that, that scene just made me laugh so hard. Um, I don't know, just the idea of it just being like kind of fate that he would end up there is just, I, I just think it just adds another layer of humor to it. That's pretty great. Yeah. That's part of that. I don't want to call it ironic detachment that's not really what it is mm. but there uh, there's like a cheerful cynicism yeah because of better <laughs> that's a good way of putting it yeah 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 where it's it's there's some heavy stuff in the movie and there's a few dramatic turns which i think are really well done as well so i i guess in summation for me i i would say it's obviously a recommend to your audience sure we probably ruined parts of it but i don't know that you can completely yeah ruin it uh because it's i there's more. There's even we hit the we hit the peaks. There's even more to this movie that we didn't dive into, and a lot of jokes that we didn't really touch on. And I think to me yep. that that's where the the gold is in this movie. Is is there's a lot of really good laughs in this thing. Yeah, and I think uh, I've never heard of Ben O'Toole before, but I'm going to keep an eye out for him, and I hope he does more interesting work. And I hope this crew behind this movie does some more interesting work. And uh, would you would you want a bloody hell too? I mean, I love the character enough that I could see it working, but I also think it's kind of a lightning in the bottle kind of strange mm. thing that shouldn't work as well as it does, so maybe it wouldn't, you know? Yeah, I don't know that you could put the the pieces mm. <laughs> nice. back together again for it to work <laughs> because somehow they have taken these genres, which we've seen bent and and interplayed before like like we've mentioned a lot of the movies both you and I have mentioned are gender or or genre bending films right mm -hmm. they you know they they play in a couple of different pools there's a lot of people who try to do what they did here and they do not do it effectively mm -hmm. and i think yeah to maybe try to go back and do it again maybe things wouldn't sit as comfortably the next time although there is something at least on paper very funny about a movie just called Bloody Hell Two. <laughs> that, that is great like, title. <laughs> <laughs> like title. just yeah, just the thought of it is funny. Yeah. So I think that they, I think they, I think maybe they should do it. 
They, I, I think they'd have to change genre, the genre formula a little bit. That's though. what I was going to say. I think the way to approach it, and there's not a, a chance in hell a movie like this ever happens ever again because of the way Hollywood is at this point and the way that box yeah. office returns are, but an army of darkness to an Evil Dead 2, like where the yes. character just gets thrust into this insane new situation that is so over the top and so, just totally different genre, totally different time period even like i mean just go all out with a you know everything you could think of sequel that maybe is completely unwarranted but becomes <laughs> becomes the best movie ever you know well are are all of the evil dead movies completely unwarranted from the first one to the second one which is a remake of the first one too <laughs> they're the best they are the to best. the remake which is a remake of the first and the second one and then army of darkness and the, everything about that is and in like i think that's the highest praise right like to to wrap this up i think that's the highest praise that you and i could give this is when we're talking about this movie not only are we talking about all of these disperse disparate puzzle pieces but we're comparing it to some of the best genre cult Lightning in a Bottle movies yep. ever made, Absolutely. and we're like in this. We're like, I kind of want another one of these. Yeah. And for a movie that I think costs like sixty million dollars or something like that, if I'm not mistaken, of Australian money, like a, like I that was just made and like played in like two hundred theaters in Australia. That's that's high praise. Like I'm not saying this is like the next Mad Max right. per se, but. I'd watch a post-apocalyptic bloody hell too, wouldn't hell, you? Hell yeah, I'm in. <laughs> right, I am in. <laughs> yeah, bloody hell in space, bloody hell Ooh, in space. Okay, let's go. You don't need your leg in space, so you don't. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. If, if anything, it helps, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, Jason, <laughs> is there another movie you watched recently that you loved that you'd like to maybe recommend? Um, I watched Barefoot in the Park recently. Okay. <laughs> this could not be <laughs> any more different. And it's not just the feet connection, right? Uh -huh. of like, right, like Legless in the Park, mm -hmm. <laughs> Legless in Finland, and uh, Barefoot in the Park. But I, yeah, I watched Barefoot in the Park recently, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> I told you we. I watch everything, yeah. so I just really enjoy. It. And Robert Redford doing physical comedy and just comedy in general. I never seen him really do it. I had done. Uh, I'd acted parts of uh, Barefoot in the Park, but I don't think I'd ever seen the movie. And uh, I played Paul. I played the Redford part, okay. and uh, I had never, never actually seen the movie. I finally got around to watching it, and it's, it's very, very lovely. It's a very lovely film. It's a nice Sunday afternoon watch. If you just need a nice, if it's spring, wherever you are, and it's kind of rainy, but kind of warm, and you can kind of, you know, lift your windows open a little bit, get a little fresh air, and sure. watch Barefoot in the Park, go for it. Nice. Good recommendation right there. Well, uh, why don't you tell people where they can find your podcast? We are available everywhere that podcasts can be found. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker. I don't know how we ended up on Spreaker, but we're there <laughs> and everywhere else. Um, yeah, you can find us on social media at Binge Movies. Uh, you'll see all kind of oddities on that Twitter thread. Uh, and uh, you'll see us frequently engaging with the host of this podcast, 
Mr. David Rosen. Mm. And uh, yeah, we're uh, mostly hosted on uh, Podbean, so just go to bingemovies.podbean.com. We offer sponsored episodes if you want to go on there uh, and hit a sponsorship button. And we're launching a membership uh, deal, which we've I'm pretty excited about, uh, where you'll actually get a card <laughs> from us with your personal details on it. It will entitle you to benefits for the podcast, which are going to be named later. We haven't announced it yet, but it's going to, it's the old school video store card that rules. for the 21st century. And uh, we're excited. So if you're a binge lord uh, and you, you're a listener and you follow me over here, make sure you listen to David Rosen's podcast. Thank you, David, for having me on. And if you're a, a PC together uh, aficionado, David's been on before and you're going to be, as we record this, uh, you're set to come back. So That's right. I'm looking forward to it. I got to uh, watch a couple more of the movies in the next couple of days and then I am ready. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and at and at some point in the not too distant future, we will be talking about uh what is the quest of the rock aliens? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> what a movie. Let me just tell you, throw that on the uh, recommendations here at the end of the episode too, because holy shit. <laughs> holy shit indeed. So if you want a deep dive of uh, you want to hear more of David's thoughts and some yeah, he'll bring some puzzle pieces, we'll bring some binge, we'll put it together and we'll talk about a movie no one's heard of <laughs> that's right that is right but i'll be looking yeah. forward to it well thanks so much for joining me jason uh it was great finally getting you here on the podcast and uh i look forward to uh talking to you again soon yes sir deeply humbled thank you for the opportunity you've heard others but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the jock and nerd podcast here, Imran. So if you offend everyone at once, it all it's a wash. I've covered everybody. Anthony. Sorry, I was texting. Say that again. And Rug Boy. Yeah, whenever there's a snowstorm, my slack hole tightens up. As they talk over one another. Just exactly uh, the same as Jay as Tim. Terminator. We're talking over each other. It's fine. Sorry. Swear. I had boobies. And ask you for money. Just give us the money. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. It can't be silly, goofy fun. Uh, Jock and Nerd. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Bloody Hell. Seriously, if you haven't watched it yet, go seek this movie out. It is a fun one. Uh, and that's it for today's episode. Thanks to Jason for joining me. Go check out Binge Movies. I will be on an episode coming up real soon, so that will be fun. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Like I said at the top of the show, this is year four of Piecing It Together, and I am really looking forward to making this the best year this podcast has had yet. Uh, got so much stuff planned. It's just a matter of getting to it all. I'm currently, as I've mentioned multiple times on the show, I'm currently finishing up the score of a feature film. It's this two-hour and 14-minute long film. It's a beast. But uh, once I get done with that, it's going to be time to start planning a whole bunch of stuff. I want to get back to some new Missing Pieces episodes, some new Breaking It Apart episodes. Of course, continue constant new regular episodes as well. Also, have a few other tricks up my sleeve, some other things I want to try doing, but just need some time to do it, and that time is coming up soon, I am sure. Maybe, hopefully, we will see. 
So, thank you as always for listening. And if you're not subscribed yet, make sure you get subscribed. We're, of course, wherever you're listening right now, but we're also on all of the major podcast apps. Whichever one you like to listen to podcasts on, click that subscribe button. We also really, 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 really appreciate it if you share the show. That is the way we're going to keep growing this thing. So, share the show. You could also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. That would be amazing if you did that. Um, you know, the more, the more reviews, I don't think the whole thing of podcasts where the amount of reviews and ratings it gets on Apple podcasts, that it really matters, but some people put a lot of stock in that whole thing. And, uh, you know, I recently got accepted into the Las Vegas film critics society. And actually the day that this episode goes up, our awards will be hitting for the Las Vegas film critics society for the 2020 movies. Uh, so that's very exciting, but for more opportunities like that, the reviews are one of the things that people seem to look at for whatever reason. So, you know, even if you just want to say, I love this show, five stars, that's great. Leave us a review that says, I love this show, five stars. If you want to say, I love this show, four stars, I'll accept it. Any lower than that, though, uh, you know, you don't have to do that. But leaving a review and a rating is would be helpful because there are some people who seem to really, you know, want to see that. To me, personally, I want to see the constructive criticism reviews. I, I want to see people who want to tell me what would make this show better. So, fall somewhere in between there, the five stars and the constructive criticism, and I'll be happy. Leave us a review. Uh, also, don't forget about the Produced by David Rosen Patreon. Follow us on social media at Piecing Pod. Join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. I think that's all the things that I'm supposed to say at the end of an episode. Uh, check out the other All Points West podcasts, I guess. Uh, Entre Dose, Bird Road, Awesome Movie Year, All Rice, No Beans, everything else we're up to. Go check those out, too. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Let's close this thing out with a piece of music like I always do. I know I played this on the show before, but I think it's been a while, and I think it fits for a movie like Bloody Hell because it's big and upbeat and crazy and one of my favorite tracks it's from my album head like fire it's called devil enjoy this track and uh, i will have news about a new album soon 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 it is coming but um for now check out all my albums that are available on itunes and spotify and all those places this one again is called head like fire the song is devil and we'll be back with more piecing it together coming up real soon
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.